turn in your Bibles this morning to the book of Mark, the book of Mark, and notice with me in chapter 11, in verse 1, it says, And when they came nigh to Jerusalem unto Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent forth two of his disciples and said to them, Go your way into the village over against you, and as soon as you enter into it, you will find a colt tied whereon never man sat. Loose him and bring him to me. Very significant because in Middle East tradition, they were, could never use something, an animal, a donkey, that had ever been used before for sacred purposes. And so we see in verse 3, If any man say unto you, Why do you this? Say ye that the Lord has need of him. And straightway he will send him hither. And they went their way and found the colt tied by the door, without in a place where two ways met, and they loose him. And certain of them that stood there said to him, What do you loosing the colt? And they said unto him, Even as Jesus has commanded, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus, and they cast their garments on him, and he sat upon him. Now the symbolism of the donkey or of the colt in that day, it symbolized an animal of peace. Whereas the horse symbolized an animal of war. His entry on Palm Sunday symbolizes to us his entry as the prince of peace, not as a war-waging king. And verse 8 says, And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off the trees, and they strawed them in the way. Now another translation says this, and you don't need to pull it up. It says, Then an exceptionally large crowd gathered and carpeted the road before him with their cloaks and prayer shawls. Others cut down branches from trees to spread on his path. What they are doing, they are giving him a king's welcome. Understand the timing of this. This was during the Passover. And Jerusalem was the center of Jewish worship. They would come from near and they would come from far to bring a sacrifice which covered their sins for one year. They came with great expectancy to worship and to magnify God Almighty. And so the city was electrifying. Jesus, when he entered in to Jerusalem, had just raised Lazarus from the dead a week before. They had heard of him. They knew they he fed the multitudes and they were hungry. They knew that he healed the sick and many of them were sick. They looked at Jesus as a fix for Roman oppression. They were under such heavy Roman oppression that they looked at Jesus as their Messiah who would come and start a revolution and take over the Roman Empire. Well, he came to start a revolution all right but not the kind of revolution that they were looking at. 
He came to start a revolution, a new kingdom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you and I are part of that glorious kingdom. All hail King Jesus. Glory to God. And so the palms and the garments and the prayer shawls covered that road. They were hailing their king who they thought would fix all of their problems. His reputation had preceded him. They needed help. In verse 9 it says, And they went before, and they that followed, saying, cried, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David, that cometh in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. Everyone say, Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. Now, the Hebrew word for that simply means, Lord, save now. Please save now. Save us, O King. Please save us now. They were shouting from Psalm 118, verse 26. And they were giving messianic titles to him. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Like I said, they were looking for a new kingdom. They expected conquest and might, but they got meekness and humility. They expected him to overthrow the Roman oppressors, but they got Jesus who freely gave himself into their hands. Their Messiah was to be proud and strong, not someone that washed the feet of his disciples. Their Messiah would take up a sword, not a cross. But neither the palm branches nor the colt becomes the central symbol for Christians today. Instead, it is the cross. Thank God for the cross of Calvary. See, on Palm Sunday, they were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. But five days later, the same bunch were saying, crucify him. Notice with me in verse 11. And Jesus entered in Jerusalem and into the temple. And when he looked round about all upon all things, and now the eventide was come, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Jesus went straight to the temple to observe everything. He then went two miles to Bethany and spent the night. Now, there's some things that are very significant about Monday and Tuesday that I want to take a look at because I think it's important for us to realize how this all unfolded. In Monday and Tuesday, there are two events that took place. Number one, the cursing of the fig tree. And number two, the cleansing of the temple. In Mark 11, verses 12 through 14, it says, On the morrow they were come from Bethany, and he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came if haply he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. For the time of figs was not yet. 
And Jesus answered and said to it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And the disciples heard it. On that same day, he came to Jerusalem in verse 15. And Jesus went into the temple. And he began to cast out them that sought and bought in the temple. And he overthrew the money of the money, uh, the table of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. See what was happening? They were selling and they were disrupting the worship. They were disrupting the people that had come to Jerusalem to worship and to honor God. And quite frankly, it angered Jesus. Righteous indignation rose up on the inside of the master. And we see something that Jesus said that's very important. And he taught them and he said unto them, Is it not written, My house, everyone say his house. He said, My house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer. But he said, You've made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him, because all the people were astonished at his doctrine. And when evening was come, he went out of the city. Now, when he cast out the money changers out of the temple, something miraculous happened. What happened is the lame and the blind came to him in the temple. And the lame and the blind were healed by the master on that day. See, Jesus said, I do not want a house of thieves and robbers. I want my house to be a house of prayer. And when my house is a house of prayer, it will become a house of power. And when my house becomes a house of power, it will become a house of signs and wonders and great moving of the Holy Spirit. And did you know that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever? If he didn't want his temple to be full of thieves and robbers, if he wanted his temple then to be a house of prayer and power and signs and wonders, he wants this house. I said he wants this house. He wants this house to be a house of prayer, a house of power, a house of signs and wonders. But not only does he want this house, this temple, he wants your temple. He wants your house to be a house of prayer, a house of power, a house of signs and wonders. He is forever the same. And his desire is his fear, his church to rise up in this day and this hour and be filled with the Spirit, be filled with glory, be filled with power and to pray heaven on earth. And when heaven comes to the earth, glory to God, heavenly things happen, heavenly miracles happen, heavenly signs and wonder. Glory to God. So save me this house. This house right here, it is a house of prayer. It is a house of power. It is a house of signs and wonders and miracles. But I forgot one. It's also a house of praise. Oh, glory to God. It's a house of praise. 
It's a house of shouting. It's a house of dancing. It's a house of lifting up your voice and magnifying the Lord. This house is a house of praise. And this house is inhabited by his presence as a result of his people praying, as a result of his people praising. This house is a house of his presence. Woo, glory to God. Prayer, power, praise, and presence. Glory to God. Can you say amen? amen. Woo, say with me, for the Lord is so good. And his mercy endures forever. So there's this cleansing of the temple. See, he fixed the situation by stopping all of the distractions that were taking place. If we really want our house and our life to be a house of prayer and power and praise and presence, we must remove the distractions that come against us daily. The distractions that come against us daily are designed to keep us from pressing in to the presence of God. And how many of you know that in this day, we're His temples? We're His temples. We're not our own. We don't belong to ourselves. We belong to Him. And in this temple... Should everyone be speaking of his glory? In his temple, should everyone glorify the God of glory? So let's lift our hands right now. And let's say glory about three times. Come on. Glory. 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 We need to be God inside minded. Holy Ghost temple minded. Paul said to the church at Corinth, Know ye not that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you. So he wants this temple and this temple to be free from distractions. That's why you need to make sure you tune your phones off. (laughs) When he comes in by his Spirit, allow him to do a thorough work in your heart. If he points things out to you, it's never to condemn you or to hurt you. It's to convict you because he wants holiness perfected in your life so that you can be more Christ-like every day. Let him move things out. Let him cleanse you from all that would hinder you from Christ-likeness. Now let's pick it up in verse 20. And in the morning... Remember the fig tree was cursed? Verse 20, And in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter calling to remembrance, he said unto him, Behold, Master, the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. And Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed. And shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you take them and you shall have them. Amen. 
And incidentally, when you stand praying, amen, forgive. If you have ought against any, that your Father which is in heaven also may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive you your trespasses. I think it's extremely significant that this is during Holy Week. These truths are something that he wanted to download on his disciples. He knew that they were going to face tumultuous times. He knew that they were going to face tests and they were going to face trials. So he exemplified for them, look, when the mountain comes, don't be moved by the mountain. You have authority now to move the mountain. He's encouraging them instead of talking about how bad things are and how how big the mountain is, talk about how good God is and how that he still moves mountains today. He's giving them a lesson on faith. He's showing them he wants their temples clean and he's showing them that he has given them the measure of mountain moving faith so when the test comes and when the trials comes, you don't have to back out. You can stand up and you can face your mountains with mountain moving faith. (laughs) Woo! Glory to God. He knew that they would need this and he knows that you'd need it. Because every one of us face mountains. This is a timeless truth. For you and I, we live by faith. We walk by faith. We talk by faith. We quench the fiery darts of the wicked one by faith. Amen. We see by faith. We live by faith. We dance by faith. We shout by faith. The just shall live by faith. Say with me strong, I have a mountain in my way, but I have mountain moving faith every day of my life. So use it, use it, use it. Speak to the virus, speak to the arthritis, speak to the lack, speak to your nation. Speak to the school system. Speak to the Supreme Court. Speak, speak, speak what the Word of God says. Say to the mountain. Come on, let's wave those palms once again. Woo! Glory to God. They were blind on that Palm Sunday. They literally had no understanding whatsoever why he came. They were not aware of the significance of Jesus' triumphal entrance into the city. They thought he entered it as a war-waging king, but they did not know that he entered in as the sinless, spotless, pure, final Lamb of God. He was the final lamb. <laughs> the final Passover lamb. To take away the sin of the world 
and reconnect man back to God. They didn't know it and the devil didn't know it. For had they known it, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. They would have never put him on the cross. They would have never crucified him if they had known that Sunday was coming. They would have never crucified him if they knew that he would be raised from the dead. Triumphant over death, hell and the grave. Oh, somebody say amen. Amen. <laughs> There's a couple of interesting facts I just want to go through before we have received communion. About the Passover lambs in the Old Testament and Jesus, our Passover lamb. In the Old Testament, the Passover lamb would be taken to the temple for observation. They had to make sure that it was perfect in every way. I have heard that they had 50 different tests that they would look at that lamb to make sure that it was worthy to be sacrificed. It had to be without blemish. It had to be without cuts, without bruises, deformities. Well, Jesus was without blemish. And he was sinless. I want you to shout with me over this as we read 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, 19 together. Ready, read. 1 Peter 1, ready, go. For as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition from your fathers, verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish. Hallelujah. Oh, the blood. Oh, the blood. The sinless, spotless, pure, holy Son of God. Jesus. Hallelujah. In the Old Testament, the Lamb had to be declared pure after a thorough examination. From Luke 23, verses 13 and 16 in the Passion, it says, Pilate gathered together the people, the high priests, and all the religious leaders of the nation, and he told them, You have presented this man to me and charged him with a stirring rebellion among the people, but I have examined him. Here in your presence, and I have put him on trial. My verdict is that none of your charges against him are true. I find no fault in him. Who glory to God. And when you receive him, you are not incomplete, but you are complete in him. And in your heart, he finds no fault in you. For there is now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. He has placed his Holy Spirit in you. And he has made you pure and holy in righteousness. 
and true holiness. Hallelujah. Old things have been passed away. The past is historical. It's gone. And now, it's a new day. Hallelujah. So stop finding fault in yourself. Stop living in a constant state of introspection. I'll show you what you need to ask forgiveness for. I'll show you what's not me. And as you yield to me, my blood continuously cleanses you from all unrighteousness. Say with me, I am complete in Him. So we don't look to things and to others to complete what he's already completed. Our source of completion is not in things. It is not in relationships. Our source of completion is Christ. For He is our Passover Lamb. The final Lamb. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You must not compete with one another. All of you are already complete in me. Now surely you must work out your own salvation. By that I mean live out what he lived for. Live out what he died for you for. Live out this great salvation that's on the inside of you. Who live it out? And you shall You shall <laughs> experience his goodness. You shall experience not only days, not only years, but decades until I return. Decades of days of heaven upon the earth. Oh, let's raise our hands and thank you. In the Old Testament, they examined him and found no fault in him. In the Old Testament, the lamb was placed on the altar and killed. In John 19, 14 through 16 in the NLT, it says, It was now about noon on the day of preparation for the Passover. And Pilate said to the people, Look, here is your king. Away with him, they yelled. Away with him. Crucify him. What? Crucify your king, Pilate said. We have no king but Caesar, the leading priest shouted back. Then Pilate turned Jesus over them to be crucified, and so they took Jesus away. 
and they placed Jesus on the cross, which is the altar of sacrifice. Now, there's a great big difference between the old lamb and the new covenant. When that old covenant lamb was offered, it covered sin for one year. But oh, thank God, his sacrifice wiped sin away forever. It wiped sin away forever. (laughs) Purge out the old leaven that you may become a new lump as you are unleavened for even Christ our Passover has been sacrificed for us. The writer of the book of Hebrew had great insight and great revelation in this. And I want to read this before we receive communion and before we give the altar call. Because there is great revelation in this. Put your hand over your heart and pray this. I pray pray. that all week long, the the eyes of my understanding understanding would be flooded with light. light. Help me to get a greater glimpse of so great redemption and so great salvation. Help me to walk with you every day of my life in Jesus' name. Now from Hebrews chapter 9 verses 11 through 15 and again I'm reading from the NLT it says, So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He's entered the greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. With his own blood, say it me, with his own blood. Notice this, not the blood of goats and calves. He entered into the most holy place once and for all and secured our redemption forever. I don't know if you saw it or not, but you and I have been eternally redeemed. We are the redeemed of the Lord. We are not having to work up our redemption. Our redemption has been purchased by the Redeemer Himself. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. And He entered in once into the holy place. And He obtained an eternal redemption for you. And since you've been eternally redeemed, you can live by day by day in that revelation that you are the redeemed. In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. In whom we have redemption through His blood, the healing of our bodies. In whom we have redemption through His blood, even the prosperity of our soul. Now let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Woo! Glory to God. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let them shout it from the housetops. I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. (coughs) And when you live with such a consciousness of your Redeemer and your redemption, I'm telling you, in the old covenant, he had them place the blood on their doorposts with a lintel. Yeah. 
And when the death angel came by, he had to pass over them. Oh yeah, there's a thief out there. He comes to steal, to kill and destroy. He comes to devour whom he may. But when you hold up the blood, when you proclaim your redemption, when you plead the blood of Jesus, he has to pass you by. Not today, devil. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next year, not next decade. I've been eternally redeemed forever, O oh Lord. Forever, O oh Lord. Your redemption is settled in heaven. Woo! Glory to God. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of heifer could not cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial purity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ purifies your conscience from sinful deeds so that you can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. That is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people. So that all who are called to receive the eternal inheritance, God has promised them. For Christ died to set you free from the penalty of the sins committed under the first covenant. Woo! Glory to God. Glory to God. Go ahead and wave your palms. Hallelujah. Let's declare it. Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. Hosanna. We are the redeemed. We are born of God. We are overcomers. Glory to God. Glory to God. And we've had enough of school shootings. And we've had enough of the perversity that is in this generation. We say enough is enough. As children of the Most High God, we put our stake in the ground. And we declare over our schools in California that no weapon formed against them shall prosper and no evil shall befall them, neither shall any plague come nigh their dwelling. We loose the angels around our children. We loose the angels around our grandchildren. We loose the angels around our property. And we declare freedom, redemption, Hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. Glory to God. So we preached just a little while today before we received communion. And I certainly would invite Pastor Tom and others to the platform at this time. And we're going to receive Holy Communion because that night when Judas had it in his heart to turn the Master over, Jesus with his disciples. One of the most beautiful things that I see at the Lord's table, and you've seen pictures of it, John the Beloved has got his head against his chest. Why is that important? John Beloved is known as the Apostle of Love. 
He was a son of thunder. But something happened to him. He got a revelation of how much God loved him. And then he began to love God the way that God loved him. And he's got his head on the bosom of the master. Others were just sitting there. But John the beloved was leaning in. He was leaning in to hear from the lamb that was about to be slain. We have been identified with him. Say it with me. I am the one whom Jesus loves. And I am the one that loves Jesus. And say this, I am the one who will lean in and draw near to him and hear from heaven. And so shall I be entrusted and given great responsibility as one whom Jesus loves to share his love with others. Everywhere we go, we are light. We are bright. We are the redeemed. So steward well Christ in you, the hope of glory. Do not dismiss his presence in your life. Yea, let your light shine brightly to those that are around you. Not only this day and this week, but every day and every week of your life.